0: Hi, everyone. Anthony Fantano here, Internet's busiest music nerd, and it's time for another episode of the Needle Drop Podcast, our hey weekly... Hey, you're hey, you're, jumping, you're jumping in early. You're jumping in early. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, it's our weekly interview podcast where I talk to musicians, artists, YouTubers, creators of various sorts. And in this episode, it's a very special episode, as I say in every episode, but it is special this time <laughs> because I have musician and fellow YouTuber, uh, Mr. Rob Scallon, on the show. How you doing, Rob?
1: Happy, buddy. Doing good. Thanks for having me, Anthony.
0: I will link all of you to Rob's YouTube channel down in the description box. If you don't know, Rob is a fantastic guitarist, really YouTube's preeminent sort of guitarist virtuoso, just a man (laughs) of many... Uh, Many six string talents. Actually, you know, he's 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 got quite a few stringed instruments inside of his place, all of which you can catch in uh, many of his videos, where he delivers uh, originals, covers, uh, even did a reverse Black Sabbath cover, which uh, was probably one of the most insane things I'd ever seen on the internet. Uh, I, I love how the internet sort of provides a place where you could do something so whacked out that normally you'd probably have a hard time getting a lot of people on board to uh, support you in doing such a thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that one was, was particularly um, ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, thanks Thanks for the intro, by the way.
0: You're, no problem. It was well-deserved.
1: <laughs> I, I just tell people I play guitar for the Internet.
0: You should You should pay me to hang around you all the time and sort <laughs> of introduce you to people for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like My name's Rob, and uh, he'll handle the rest, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, uh so so let, let me ask uh is 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 YouTube right now the content you're creating, your music stuff, is that f- your full-time gig now or coming close to your full-time gig at the moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, this has been my full-time job um for a little over 2 years now. Hmm. Um right around uh previous to this, I had I had quite a few other jobs. Um but previous to this, I was mainly working at a library and then once I hit um around 35,000 subscribers, I was able to make enough to where I was able to uh barely live off of it.
0: Not uh, usually the um uh the subscriber number that a lot of people, you know, sort of see themselves going full-time on YouTube though, where your videos like kind of going viral around that time, like were you getting a lot of views sort of that outweighed the subscriber numbers that you had?
1: No, not really. It was more of, um, at that point, it was more of a risk. And I had some projects coming up later that I figured would, you know, could possibly bring me into that realm to where I could make a comfortable living off of it. But certainly at 35,000 subscribers was not a comfortable living at all. Um, But I, I saved up a good amount of money for years past that to where I could coast for a while. And I figured that unless unless I was putting all of my time into it, I couldn't really expect my channel to grow very much. Yeah. Um. So no, at thirty five thousand subscribers, um, wasn't really a a living wage for me, but it was close. And and then I was able to really dive in and start doing it more. And uh, I've always been like really in tune with the business side of things too. Like that's also kind of other than just something I have to do, it's also kind of a hobby and something I enjoy. So. At that point, I had a good amount of revenue streams in place, and none of them were anything super significant. But when you put them together, they were at least enough to where I knew I could almost get by and then do the rest of my savings.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the thing with content creating online. You kind of can't just rely on the money coming from the ad revenue that YouTube no. might you know sort of make from your videos, so you've got to have a lot of different irons in the fire.
1: absolutely yeah like if if you' if you're relying strictly on AdSense. You either need to be well. First off, to make a living off that, you need to be mega popular. You've
0: got to be Tyler Oakley,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like I'm, you know, <laughs> like PewDiePie. Uh, sure, as, as we hear a lot. Of course, you know, if for a channel like his, you know, it's definitely significant. But for most people, <laughs> overwhelmingly, it's not. But but yeah, even if even if you are really hyperly successful on YouTube and you're relying just on AdSense, you know, that's uh, that's pretty unstable. You know, if your popularity goes down a little bit, like so does your income.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, especially for someone like you who, uh, you know, you're trying to make videos that, Sort of have this wide appeal, but are also you know very shareable, very creative, and and some videos you know like that Sandman video that you did sort of ended up just being wildly popular and just really took off. Whereas some of your other videos you know don't see quite as few shares, and you know you've got to kind of it's it's a bit of a shot in the dark all the time. You know I, yeah. I always find your videos entertaining as a fan, Thanks. but um you, you know. It, you, even I as a fan can't really predict like, oh, this video is going to go totally viral or this video, you know, so, so, you know, you're kind of, uh, 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 I guess at the mercy of whether or not your fans want to share your content with their friends a little bit, uh, when you're coming out with new stuff. So you've got to have other kind of uh, other, other projects kind of on the back burner to kind of get your hardcore fans looped into that. So you can just kind of keep things going.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, at least for my channel, to expect every video to go into the millions um, is just not realistic at all. So, and if I was relying strictly on AdSense, that that would be what I was doing, or what I would have to do. Every video would need to be this like big million hit video, and yeah, of course, that's very unrealistic.
0: Are if 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 that was kind of the position that you were in, or the position that you were putting yourself in are there limitations that you feel like you would need to put on your artistic process or your creative process in some of these videos, uh, to kind of keep
1: those numbers up? Um, I guess, yeah, I would say so because if I was, if I needed every video to be this big viral thing, which wouldn't be, um, what, what I, I wouldn't be comfortable with doing it, that at all just like on a on a stress level sure. i would just have a, a regular part-time job and do it on the side but yeah if i did then i would definitely spend a whole lot less i would have to spend a whole lot less time doing like original work which doesn't go viral but that stuff i'm you know just as more interested in so yeah it it would very much change my creative process if i was doing that route
0: uh, as, as far as your w- original work goes um I feel like as a YouTube musician or somebody who's, I guess, known more for their musicianship on YouTube than in kind of their solo stuff, um, yeah. you know, how, how exactly do you balance those two kinds of worlds? Because when I, when I listen to your solo work, I hear some very beautiful, melodic, very serious music, but then on the YouTube side of things, and you have put your originals up on your YouTube channel, uh, mm-hmm. things tend to run a little bit more lighthearted and, you know, just, a. uh, uh, silly and playful but still like creative and and, and out there um, I kind of feel like uh, uh as as a YouTube musician maybe you kind of have this freedom to break away from seriousness <laughs> that some other rock musicians or musicians who are kind of deep into the music industry don't necessarily have
1: yeah yeah I do I that is something I'm really fortunate for like as a YouTube musician I can pretty much do whatever I want and as long as there's you know, a good amount of people that are also into it, I can continue doing it. And that's really great. I, I don't think I would want to, I mean, if if that was my only option, you know, it's definitely better than other things I could be doing with my life. But if I had to just do, um, like, just do, quote unquote, serious stuff, or just do, quote unquote, comedy stuff, I wouldn't be very fulfilled doing one of either. Like, I really enjoy switching around all the time, you know, I would, I wouldn't want to do all originals or do all comedy stuff. Sure. So So, yeah, we're, we're really fortunate in that way and that we work in a, we have a creative job, um, but also one that isn't very, you know, isn't very limiting being on YouTube. I can move around to a bunch of different things and.
0: Yeah, um, just I, I'm just uh, sort of uh, thinking about the, the, the kind of interesting world that, that you thrive in business wise, because it seems like you and a lot of other YouTube musicians out there have tons and tons and tons of fans. And, but there's like this really grave lack of acknowledgement from the traditional (laughs) music industry. And the thing is you, you have, you have label reps that are trying to sling the latest records from you know, the newest pop star who they're trying to make a hit, who if you accumulated all of their fans, they probably have much less listeners than you and a lot of other people on YouTube who uh, some of these A&R people are completely deaf to. Uh, it's it's just kind of a weird, It's it just kind of seems like a weird thing. It's sort of like how a <laughs> traditional TV and media ignores, you know, what YouTubers are doing as far yeah. as like, you know, dramas and comedies and sketch comedy and all that.
1: Yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways the tradition, you know, "quote unquote" traditional media hasn't really caught up yet, and they might really like to believe that the internet creators are somehow illegitimate um, when they're not. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, exciting world to be in. You know, I don't, I don't have any, or I have very, very, I have a very, very small amount of interest in doing anything in the traditional music industry. You know, the internet is where I want to be, hmm. and and yet yeah, that that whole other world doesn't really interest me at all.
0: You're talking about how uh, uh, you know traditional media isn't really catching up with what YouTube is doing. Is that mm-hmm. a wall that you see breaking down eventually, or do you think these kinds of world, th- th- these two worlds, are always going to be separate in some
1: kind of way? Yeah. Well, I think they have to. They're going to have to melt, and and now they they're starting to. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but pretty soon, I mean, almost all media is going to be online media. So I think mean, they're going to have to adapt. But I, it'll be interesting to see see where it goes. But at least for now, um, I, online creators aren't taken quite as seriously as if they were, you know, traditional. Or whatever.
0: It's kind of weird to see what traditional, uh, I guess. Uh, Bits of media are taking online creators seriously, though, because uh, and even I've had this. I mean, numerous YouTubers have come out with books. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I don't know what I don't know what it is about being a YouTuber that makes book companies be like, let's get these people to make books,
1: you know, but (laughs) it's so weird that those two come together like books. Super traditional and old school. <laughs> they're, the, they're the ones that are like really catching
0: up. On the, they're actually and- reaching across the aisle. Meanwhile, the TV execs are like, "Hell no, <laughs> we're not putting any of these people on TV." Yeah,
1: it's it's that is really odd, and it's I, I even uh, I, I tweeted recently that hey, I'm coming out with a book, and then I I said something like, "No, I just wanted to be part of the club." You know, I just figured out <laughs> I, I wasn't a YouTuber yet until I come out with a book. <laughs>
0: But yeah, yeah, that
1: that is funny. There I mean, tons of YouTubers are coming out with books.
0: Yeah. It's a uh, huge thing. Uh, as a musician, um, you know, who who is is voluntarily kind of working outside of uh uh this traditional, you know, kind of uh music yeah. industry world, um and and not that I'm asking you to sort of name names here or anything, but you live in Chicago, you know, where a, yeah. quite a few, you know, successful musicians who have gone down that avenue live. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that you play out quite a bit and people uh, have seen you play and recognize your talent. Uh, well, do you ever sort of cross paths with people who are kind of in that industry and... um Uh, You know, is there any kind of like weirdness or animosity there or kind of lack of understanding for what you're doing or for what they're doing?
1: Well, well, actually, I don't ever play out in Chicago. Oh, really? Ever. Yeah. I mean, the only time I've played a show in Chicago as a solo artist. Well, I guess I played recently. I play with Driftless Pony Club. Yeah, I
0: was going to say that.
1: Yeah. So like we played a show in Chicago where I just opened up for them and I played drums for them um, at Reggie's and then for the last tour because awesome we played the metro which was a ton of fun but other than those two occurrences in the last like five six years i never play out so so just no, i'm just not in tune with that world really at all
0: now is that just something that you're not interested in or because of the multiple irons that you have in the fire that's just not something you even really
1: need to do Um, It's kind of a mix of both. Um, A big part of it, too, is I'm just not interested in playing live as a solo artist, unless I'm playing with my friends. Like, with Tour Because Awesome, for example, or with Driftless Pony Club, that's a ton of fun, but I I don't really have any interest in, like, going out and bringing all my equipment to a venue and setting up by myself, playing by myself, leaving by myself, you know, just Mm -hmm. as a solo artist. Like, that doesn't sound um, that fun to me, and it's not... And as, as you being a lot of irons in the fire if you will or having a lot of or other other revenue streams or things that are taking up my time I, I don't really have time for it hmm. and it's just not yeah playing live just isn't something I'm that interested in and with my stuff too I kind of how I work is I'll for a week or a month or whatever it is I'll just focus on one song that I'm writing hmm. one video and then once it's done, I don't play it ever again. So for, so for me to start playing live again, I would need to relearn like all of my songs that I would want to play live.
0: Yeah. Because you know, recording, recording is one thing, but sort of learning to perform what you're writing is, is another beast.
1: Yeah, totally. It's, it's a, it's a completely other thing that I'm just, I'm not that interested in and I don't think I would really enjoy all that much. Maybe later on down the line, if I have a bigger audience where I could tour the country and do with my friends Um, That would be great. I I get to do that with tour because awesome, which is fantastic and it's a ton of fun. Hmm. Um, But it's not not something I'm interested in.
0: Well, that's kind of interesting because I mean, really the, um, the resounding consensus around the campfire (laughs) pretty much with every music industry person who I talk to, or I hear writing some kind of think piece is that, no artist is making money off their music anymore. You can't sell yeah. your music. Everybody's, you know, nobody's making money off of being creative. Everybody's making money off of merch and touring, yeah. and you're obviously not touring. And merch is only one of the things that you do. So yeah, it's- I'm actually not even in the merch
1: really. I would love to be in the merch game, um, but it's just not something I've ever been able. I've never put together any merchandise that I've been excited about. And Mm -hmm. as a solo artist where I use my own name, it's kind of weird to just like put my name on things. Like I don't really feel comfortable doing that. Like if I had an alias or something, you know, that would be one thing. But to just, I don't know, put my name on things, um, I think would be weird.
0: Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't even have to be your name. It could be your bright, yeah. shining, smiling face,
1: <laughs> just like with a thumbs up or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I know that there there is merch opportunities. Like a lot of a lot of other YouTubers, that's like their main source of income. Yeah, and certainly with you know traditional music, it is. Um, but I've, it's just never. I would love to do it, and if I had things that I was really excited about. I would love to do it. I, I think merch for me going forward, my version of merch is more signature gear. I have a signature guitar that me and Chapman guitars are working on right now that mm. I'm super excited about. And like maybe custom pedals or custom picks like that stuff is, might be my version of merch. If that gets rolling.
0: Well, you did, you did an interesting thing where I think uh, uh, after an original track that you had put out and you dropped a video for it, you had uh, framed the strings that were on the guitar. Yeah, that you
1: were playing. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. So, and I think it's cool now to know that Anchor is probably, you know, out of my originals, at least one of my most popular tracks, and to know that the strings that were actually on the recording um, are, you know, framed and hanging up in people's houses all over the world is really cool. And uh, and and it was kind of it was my version of a physical release, like because hmm. I didn't do CDs for that. Um, EP. I didn't do finals or anything. So if people want to own the music, I think this is as close as you could get to it. You're actually owning the thing that made the sound to begin with.
0: I think what you actually need to do is just buy dozens of packs of guitar strings, (laughs) just put them on your guitar, play the song once, and then pack them up and then play the song once on a new set of strings and be like, each set of strings I send you this song has been played on them, I swear to you, you know, and then just shoot shoot a video of you, just like marathon playing this song on each set of
1: strings. I think that'd be that'd be a little weird. I think it 's more about which one is on the recording, but uh, not just like which ones happen to play the song at one point hey
0: if if you do that and it sells pretty soon you 'll just be able to start selling your own sweat.
1: <laughs> this is this is the sweat that these are the blood sweat and tears physically that went into
0: this recording yes here's the sweat generated during playing this song a hundred <laughs> times on a hundred different set of strings
1: <laughs> oh god you scrape off the skin follicles of the strings absolutely yeah. uh, and that'd be weird so so other other than that i would like to do merch uh going forward and the signature guitar holy crap i'm so excited about like, it's I I have to stop myself from thinking about it sometimes or else I like, get so excited that it's it's hard to do anything else. <laughs> just I, like...
0: I, I definitely want to um come back to that and and talk about um you know so, some of the music that kind of inspires you as well. Uh but but I got a few more questions about, you know, just like, you know, you as a YouTuber. Yeah. Um Yeah. I'm thinking of uh, uh, where do you kind of see uh your videos and your and your original music kind of progressing into the future i just kind of feel like uh uh you've got so much to be conscious of and 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 artists especially in the traditional music industry are so uh conscious about where their sound is kind of going next uh, mm-hmm. uh are are you as focused or as worried about that kind of thing or you know do you feel like you're just kind of able to I don't know, just allow ideas to naturally pop into your head and, uh, you know, you're not so much worried about a narrative or a progression to your music or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I, I would say, you know, what you, I'd, I'd rather just what I'm interested in and what ideas just naturally come to me or what I work on, what I'm going to work on. Um, I think back again on us being YouTubers, we're really fortunate in that usually you just start your channel cause it's something you're really into and you're just making stuff that mm. you enjoy. And then along the way, you know, if, if, you're, if you work at it and you're also really fortunate enough, you find a lot of other people that are into the same things. And uh, hopefully, I mean, my thought is I just continue to work on things that I'm interested in hmm. and my audience is similar enough to me to where they're, they'll also find interest in it. And uh, I, th- I think that's, at least for me, I think that's the best way to go about it. I think once I start spending too much time making things that I just think will do well, and once I'm not interested in them, that really comes across in the videos. So, so yeah, I, I think just what naturally comes to me is is what I think I should be working on.
0: Uh, all right, so 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 moving on to, uh, yeah, no, it does. And uh, moving on to this whole guitar business,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. when when kind of crafting a custom guitar, kind of. Uh, I, I imagine in the process of doing so, you know, you're trying to make a guitar that you really want to hear and that you yourself would really want to play. Um, what is it about the sound of a certain guitar that kind of, you know, really grabs your attention or just like, you know, really picks your ear up? Um, and, and really just kind of registers to you as like a really good quality, amazing guitar sound. What is it in the, the sound of a guitar that that you sort of look for uh, when you're playing guitars, when you're hearing other people play guitars? Um, you know, I personally do have kind of my my favorites and my least favorites as far as like the major kinds of guitar brands go. Um, but, you know, wh- where have you kind of seen yourself gravitate over the years?
1: Uh, Geez. Well, in in this case, I think something a little bit different. And in this case, what's different about it is that it's an eight string. We're doing an eight string and a six string version. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess the main thing I look for, at least in a signature, like I play a lot of different instruments and depending on the genre, you know, of course, I'll gravitate towards different instruments that are more geared towards that genre. When Mm -hmm. it comes to the signature, I really want something that can be versatile. Mm -hmm. So and which is a little bit different with a regular signature. So I, I guess I, I would like to see it played in a whole lot of different ways. And in that case, we're making it to where it it can do that. Like it, I, I can't go actually into the specs I've, I've, <laughs> of the guitar. Hmm. So it, this one's a hard one to answer in that we've all decided that we don't want to talk about the specs of the guitar yet because we might want them to change later.
0: Okay, that totally makes it's, sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so well I mean um, the,
0: I've I've heard you play some of those Chapman guitars on your on your videos before. Yeah. Um and they seem to have just like a really really super clean ringing quality to them. Just like a really just very pristine sound to them. Um not a whole lot of you know uh uh dirt or grit or anything like that. They're just like super duper uh it's it's like listening to glass.
1: Yeah. And that's what I like about them. You know, that you can take that and then use effects or whatever to bring it in any direction. But you get this really clean DI sound they can do a lot with. And, uh, I'm trying to not talk about specific specs about this one. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like I have a, for the H string, I can't talk about this. Like a lot of H strings, at least in the market where they're not super expensive, you're always going to find an A string that's specifically geared towards metal, and it looks metal, and it's the all that everything inside of it is made for super distorted tones. Mm. And we wanted to make something that hopefully will, will appear to a market of people that want to use this extended range to do things other than that. You know, also can do that well, but can do a lot of other things. Um, it,
0: it seems like metal is a big influence for you sometimes, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's going it. It will gent, but, but it will also do other things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, certain, certainly gent. Which you, which I, in your videos before you have uh, consciously poked fun at. But yeah, yeah, you know, I think it's is is, is I, it something I, also simultaneously that you enjoy.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoy that stuff a lot, and most of what I, if you'd say I make fun of stuff, are things that I'm a fan of. Hmm. Um, but I, I I just think it's fun to not take it too seriously and, and also, I don't know, point out some of the funny things about it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely seems like it comes from a place of fandom, which I think is yeah. why places like Metal Sucks like love the shit out of your videos. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, anything that's metal-related, they post it right away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've been really good to me. Yeah, like Metal Sucks and Metal Injection. Yeah. Good to me. I, th- I think the next one I'm working on I think they'll, they'll post as well it, as an, it's what I'm currently working on. I'm really excited about it. It's another thing I like posts, kind of pokes fun at, at, uh, Gent, but in a loving way.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it also seems like, um, uh, certainly math rock is like a point of inspiration for you too. Yeah. Um, talking about the genres, uh, can you, you know, maybe sort of, uh, uh, I, I think some of your influences in the metal world, like Metallica and Slayer, you know, uh, yeah, uh, are are very clear, you know, coming through in your videos. But are there any sort of other artists, uh, you know, big or small, who you haven't directly covered or referenced in your videos that you would consider yourself to be a big fan of?
1: Yeah, I, I think the most the, the biggest example for me and I would say the biggest inspiration musically of my whole life would be Primus. Mm. And uh, I've never done a Primus song or or ever really any video that mentioned them directly. But overall, they, they would be my biggest musical influence. I got really into them in middle school. I actually first started, the first band that I was like obsessed with was Metallica in middle school. Mm. But then quickly after that, it went on to Primus. And then that was a whole other thing. And, and once I got into them... It's like, all right, I need to be a musician. I need to go buy a bass. I need to figure out how to play. Like, let's play. School. You
0: started with the bass,
1: yeah, yeah. That was the first yeah, instrument. Yeah, that that
0: that, that 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 band would make you want to play bass, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I and what, what really interests me about that band, and um, and this I think for me comes across certainly in, in what I do, though it's not quite as obvious, is that they played their instruments in really weird ways. Sure, and really different ways, and had different instruments, and they made incredible music videos that were really out there. Oh yeah! So those two things I was really, really interested in. And uh, prior to that, I had kind of dabbled with music, like we had a drum set, uh, my brother and I, but it was kind of a hobby. But after getting really into Primus, I needed to learn how to play string instruments. And
0: well, also that Primus is, is easily one of the funniest rock bands on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you certainly have seemed to find a balance between, you know, your own take on musicianship, your own take on virtuosity, as well as your own take on comedy. I mean, you know, you don't play like someone who's a huge Primus fan and you don't have the same type of sense of humor, but you have found a balance between those things too.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a pretty thick layer of humor in what they do and certainly in, in what I do, though it's, it's very, it's very different.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, and like- you know, for for the record, that was definitely a band I was obsessed with. Oh yeah, uh, late high school, early college as well. Uh, I think there was a at one point I owned every one of their records up to Anti Pop, uh, <laughs> nice. and 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 yeah, even some less Claypool like solo CDs too
1: yeah uh, I all those the biggest thing did you have the dvd animals should not try to act like people
0: oh no i did not have that but i had oh. like some uh uh i i had pirated a few videos off of it because that was kind of the that was the golden age of that too you know yeah. sort of uh <laughs> downloading stuff off of person to person sites.
1: Yeah, I, I it would take like eight hours for yes. like a five minute video
0: okay great we're both incriminating ourselves in this podcast <laughs> good
1: good yeah well that that was like the early youtube was going. I, I remember um, going over to my friend Nick's house, and we would he would just find all these music videos, mm-hmm. and we would have to queue up. Like, okay, we want to watch this one, this one, and this one. We would queue it up and then leave, and then come back. And by that time, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a half hour later, most likely they would be downloaded, and and we would watch them a ton. One of them was I remember War Ensemble by Slayer. We watched that one a bajillion times and try mm-hmm. to learn it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, at that time, it, it was—I'm sure—what we were playing sounded horrible, <laughs> but we we tried our best. But but yeah, when I say I got really into Primus, I even more specifically meant I got really into that "Animals Should Not Try to Act Like People" DVD. Hmm. The point where like my friends and I, especially my friend Jonathan, who was really like uh, to the point where it was probably unhealthy how into Primus he was. Um, we we would we even go as far as to memorize the commentary like we would be hanging out and riding our bikes or something and we would be able to recite big parts of just the commentary on like some of the B-side videos it was it was a huge part of our life at
0: that point um so
1: I'm 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 sure the guys at Primus are probably not that I I don't know if they they've ever stumbled across me but I'm sure they would they've probably heard that a million times they're like yeah yeah we know (laughs) We know we influence you and everyone else.
0: Uh, least, yeah. No, it's true. It's 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 interesting just how much like weird kooky rock music they made in the nineties and in the two thousands that influenced quite a few people, but they the, yeah. in, in the in the long run, they haven't seemed to have I guess uh held as much critical acclaim as as I thought they would have or I would have liked them to. And, yeah. and I th- and I think it, it it weirdly enough, it just kind of comes with the territory of, I think, just being a band with a strong sense of humor mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, no matter how good you play. It seems like people are just going to take you less seriously generally if if you're throwing jokes into your songs.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. Um,
0: uh, But but, you yeah, know, that's that's more of a rant than it is a mm-hmm. question.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I would agree. And, and I think just in that. I, I just think in in their specific genre of being I don't know if you've used this term before but but we would at the time it's kind of musicians' music hmm. you no know? and I think that genre is is it is l- limiting once you if you try to think on like a mainstream scale like you, you can have a lot of really really um fans that are really really dedicated but having a tremendous amount of fans that are somewhat dedicated is it seems like there's kind of a glass wall there
0: mm, okay that's that's an interesting it's an interesting term and an interesting avenue to go down in your opinion what is it that makes something musicians music um i because i don't know if it comes strictly down to uh, virtuosity you know i mean uh, uh lots of, now, i don't think anybody would refer to something like pink floyd to be musicians music you know but yeah. uh but but they're one of the most significant progressive rock bands ever um and uh i don't know i mean rush rush's music is quite flashy and uh, a lot of musicians are hardcore into them i mean you're talking about one yeah. of the bands that has three of the best musicians on their respective instruments ever mm-hmm. in one group but I don't think anybody would refer to Rush as just simply musicians' music. But for Primus though, that I guess that term seems a little fitting.
1: Yeah, well I think it's it's not only that, I don't think you, you would get that term by just being incredible at your instruments, hmm. but being incredible at your instruments in a way that doesn't appeal to a mainstream audience. I feel like maybe I'm wrong about this. You know, I could totally be wrong about this, but uh, could,
0: you you could be wrong. I'm just asking for your opinion on
1: it. Yeah, yeah. Uh but I th- I think with Primus, it's a certain type of genre that maybe you you have to play to totally appreciate. Like it's a little bit off the path to where if, if you if you didn't have that type of background, mm. if, like if music wasn't that big a part of your life, you might not appreciate it. That that's I don't know. I I'm I, pro- I,
0: I I think I hear what you're getting at. I mean, it's it's the, there's great playing on a Primus record. But the way that they play their instruments doesn't sound traditional in any Exactly in any kind of sense. Yeah. So it is kind of a, a weird and abrasive. Mm-hmm. And it's not
1: gonna appeal to a super mainstream audience like I think Rush or Pink Floyd would.
0: Sure, absolutely. Or I guess you know, I guess what you could also say, um uh <laughs> uh, you know, a guy like Buckethead would be sort of yeah. a musician's music. It's it's yeah. not even that it's musician's music, but it's musician nerd music. Like you're so good at your instrument that like just playing it normally absolutely bores you. And you're (laughs) like, I want to find out a way or I want to hear other musicians playing this guitar here in a really weird way. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then once you're kind of pushing it to the point where the, the, the instrument is no longer making, you know, just regular sounds, uh, you're going to start to turn people off. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by that same token, uh, you have some bands that, uh, do that, but they get lumped into that noise rock category and, and somehow end up getting that critical acclaim. And, you know, um, uh, uh, uh and, and, and that, um, that long term, uh, sort of, uh, I guess classic denomination, like a band like Sonic Youth or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's just so many factors to go into it. It's hard to, um, pinpoint what would what would make something only appeal to musicians.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's true. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, Sonic Youth is definitely an example of a group who don't play their instruments in a, a particularly traditional way at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, rarely do I ever hear, you know, guitar virtuosos talking up Sonic Youth. Yeah. And, um, you know, in fact, I mean, when I have talked with those people, they don't seem to take, uh, the playing of a guy like Thurston Moore all that seriously. Um, mm-hmm. because, uh, while it is, avant-garde i don't think uh that, i mean you could obviously you know look at what he's doing and see that it's not studied in the same way that a guy like Buckethead's playing is very studied yes. and and very you know honed and very practiced um you know it seems like thurston is more in it for just the uh uh the texture of what he's doing uh rather than just kind of the uh uh the virtuosity of it
1: mm-hmm. yeah and that will of course, people do a more mainstream audience. I have kind of a funny story about Buckethead. Sure. Uh, well, kind of, somewhat. Um, the first concert I saw was C2B3, which was Buckethead at the Metro in Chicago. Hmm. And then, I think it was my maybe my second concert, I went to the Metro again in Chicago to see Buckethead. And recently on, on tour with Tour Because Awesome, we got to play the Metro, and it was we sold more tickets to that show than anywhere else, which was really gratifying. And I, I went in there, and I... I was talking to the sound guys. I'm like, yeah, my first concert was here, and it's really cool to play here again. He's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, I, s- I saw Buckethead here, and then immediately he was like, <laughs> he was like judging me super hard and stopped talking to me. Apparently, because, sound- because what you liked Buckethead? Yeah, yeah, I. And then all of a sudden, I guess the sound guy at the Metro does not like Buckethead at all. Like he he was he was really offended that I. Was happy to play in the same place that Buckethead like, did, dude. It's your it's your venue. <laughs> you let him play here. <laughs> yeah, but I he seemed he seemed offended that that's why I liked the Metro. Okay,
0: well that you know, but th- that's that's the thing though. I mean, um, uh, th- there's there's definitely a stigma sometimes when people can just play their instruments super duper well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which, which I'm sure
1: that you've experienced. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. I think in this case, I, I heard him later mumbling about Guns N' Roses. I think he was a really big Guns N' Roses fan. Oh, uh, okay. So, that, so I, that,
0: that might be why he took it personally?
1: Maybe. And I'm not too familiar with Guns N' Roses. Um, I knew that, I know that Buckethead was in it at one point.
0: Yeah, 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 I I think I think you know it, it might have to do with like loyalty to slash or something like that. I I yeah. really have no idea.
1: Yeah, maybe his you know his his whole life he grew up idolizing slash and that's that's what offended him. Is that he was slash his slash's replacement?
0: And and as far as as and as far as the stigma that I'm talking about, I mean it's not really that strong or I guess it sort of depends on what circles you hang in and I think it I I don't I don't think a, somebody who's doing what you do would kind of uh run into it all that often i think it sort of depends on what you're famous for and kind of uh, uh kind of at what level of popularity you're at like i see a guy like steve Vai, kind of yeah cast off very often as just being this guy who, you know, just plays very noodly, soulless guitar solos that don't really mean or amount to anything. He's just like, you know, basically masturbating on stage, but he's doing it with a guitar, you know, and everybody's just like, Oh yeah. Wow.
1: Uh, I, wow. I know the criticism you're talking about. Another yeah. extreme example would be uh Michelangelo Badia. Sure. Yeah. He's probably the most extreme example or like Yngwie Malmsteen where, um, where people have that like, oh, it's just he's just showing off the whole time. It's not musical or whatever. But I mean, yeah, I I think most people won't won't be into that type of noodly stuff, but some people are. And and I do think that even if it is just like doing tricks on your instrument, Mm -hmm. I certainly think there's value in that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a show. And if you're if you're into guitars, you you might be interested in, in watching someone do a lot of tricks on it. You know? yeah i
0: mean if 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 you're a guitar player kind of watching people execute at that really high level of performance mm-hmm. uh can be really uh can be really entertaining um you know and and i think uh it's it's like we were saying earlier you know performance is really you know kind of a a a, a different beast you know there yeah. there are a lot of people i think probably on a smaller scale could do a lot of the stuff that you know um steve vai could do and i'm sure that you could pull off some of that stuff as well but sort of you know knowing that knowing that you could jump on stage and just do it all so flawlessly like with absolutely no breaks in between all of the things that you're doing uh is is really daunting
1: yeah i i would stress me out to perform like that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's, uh, there's so many notes to miss. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, you know, if, if if you break a sweat, you could just do like Steve Vai and have a bunch of fans at the at the front of the stage so that it's blowing your beautiful hair backwards behind your head as you're just, like, executing these awesome guitar moves.
1: <laughs> Isn't there, what's that, there's that band Steel Panther that kind of parodied, like, that type of mentality? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and, and, well, not in so much in, like, always shredding, but, like, they'll have fans on stage and just, like super egotistical. I, I frankly don't know too much about Steve Vai honestly, so I really can't comment on his stuff. I'm not that familiar. I mean, um, he's he's he's
0: pretty flashy. I mean, in the uh I don't know his early early history, but kind of his first big break was uh, that back in the day um Frank Zappa would 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 use him to transcribe his guitar solos and his writing so that it could either be uh worked into sort of a larger, more classical type composition Mm -hmm. um, or so that, you know, it could kind of uh, maybe even be marked down for like a a recording that he was working on, a rock recording. Interesting. Um, That's how he
1: got into the industry. Is he, uh,
0: I believe that was his first big, first big break. Um, uh, He's actually been invited multiple times uh, at at least during the first one, because I caught it uh, to that Zappa play Zappa tour. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe that he was instrumental in making sure that his, his, Zappa's son on that tour was up to snuff when it came to performing a lot of his dad's guitar parts and solos. And, um, you know, and he was there on stage too, you know, playing these tracks, uh, you know, so, so there is kind of that, that big Zappa connection with, uh, Steve Vai. And uh, I had, uh, what I had no doing. idea
1: that he even knew him. Oh yeah. 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 Right <laughs> On Steve Vai. Um, so the main uh, thing I know about Steve Vai is that he has that other than if you would consider the Les Paul a signature guitar, hmm. he has the most successful signature guitar model. Oh, really? Yeah, he has the you know the one with the on the guitar. There's the cutout for you to carry it from the top.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: the at least to my knowledge is the highest selling signature guitar, other than the Les Paul.
0: As as far as not just Les Pauls, but just kind of the major guitar brands out there right now, um, do, do, do you often find yourself like? you know in kind of the big box stores and music shops you know looking for new guitars and trying new guitars out or um is is the is the pick of the the litter just not what it used to be unless you know you're shelling out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars
1: yeah um i i don't find myself in other than chicago music exchange is really really cool Mm-hmm. A, even, I mean a lot of their stuff is really really expensive but I often go in there and just poke around and like buy smaller stuff like pedals but then still kind of gaze at the <laughs> the really expensive guitars um, but for me in, in an instrument I don't necessarily look at brand name too much mm. um, and I, a lot of a lot of the guitar world too is, is strangely geared towards vintage stuff. You know, it's all about like this it is it exactly how it seems
0: like that's that's a that's a recently occurring thing. I mean, not only are a lot of those vintage instruments, you know, uh going for just top dollar right now, but uh, uh I believe it's Fender has been recently coming out with these uh quote unquote road worn instruments. Yeah, yeah. That, the,
1: uh, what are they what are they called? Relic guitars. Yes,
0: yes, they yes. They have someone just
1: like hit it with a hammer and like <laughs> like ripen it. <laughs> And then they sell it. Yeah. And they sell it to you. And I don't know that, that type of stuff or just this whole like vintage craze, Uh, this, this whole, like, I want a guitar that is exactly like if my grandfather went into the store and bought one, like that doesn't appeal to me at all. So Mm -hmm. I, to to me, I, I, that whole mentality, I, I don't really get like, are there other industries that do that to this extent? Like, like Ford keeps pumping out like the model T every year and be like, this is exactly like the first model T and everyone's just driving, you know, model T's around. Sure. Um, I don't know. It doesn't to me, when I look for an instrument, it's mainly, I I look for something new about it that makes me play it a little bit differently. Like that's, that's what I'm interested in. Like if I'm just looking around the room, like I have my nine string, course around here and having three extra strings it's like oh, i gotta learn how to play this a little bit differently mm. or like i just i just got a, a chapman guitar that has a tremolo on it a floyd Rhodes, i've never used that before um or just like five string bass just just something that's a little bit different about it that's going to force me to play it differently that's more what i look for that's what interests me rather than like what brand it is even i guess if that makes sense
0: you you you're so damn excessive Rob. I mean so many strings.
1: <laughs> More strings. Are are you are you are, yeah. you
0: are you the guy who goes into the store like you know sees sees other people online with something like a 12-string bass or a 16-string bass and you're like, "Oh my god. Yes. Yes, this all day."
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> if it's like new and different and it's I, if I picked it up and you have to play it differently, that is what interests me so yeah i, I am an, I am one of those people
0: mm. uh, <laughs> but, uh, sort of working you know the the thing about modern music recording and and amplifiers and and pedals too uh is is that the technology, while it, it has kept up with the times in a sense it's also progressed with sort of those more low scale string instruments in mind, you know, um, I, I don't think a lot of bass amplifiers or, or, or cabinets are, are engineered with the, uh, the 12 string bass in mind. <laughs> um, you know, do, do you think that, uh, that that's just kind of a weird niche thing and will continue to be so, or do you think, uh, uh, this string ec- excessiveness is going to, uh, continue and um you know kind of change standards
1: well i don't think it's going to continue in that pretty soon we're all going to be playing 13 strings yeah but i i do think extended range isn't a gimmick and it's going to stick around i i don't think it's going to be i don't think an eight string guitar is ever going to be oh well, i don't know it's going to be standard for mm-hmm. most genres but i think it's it's not a novelty and it's something that'll be around for a while um yeah, I, I, I don't
0: know. Does that answer that question? No, I, 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 I think it does. Well, I mean, I think. Um, I
1: mean, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe people won't even be playing guitars in five years.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's 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 a possibility too, and that's a, that's a question that I that I actually uh, not not the specific question, but just kind of the more of the future. What you think the future of guitar music is? But the thing is, um, you know, for for a while there was, you know, specifically in the 2000s, it seemed like there was this budding market for uh, this extended range and these yeah. extra strings. And, uh, but but the thing is, in the music industry, uh, these guitars weren't really... Um, being given as much stage time as you would assume given that you see them in all the stores but it seems mm-hmm. like gent is really the first genre where these kinds of guitars are seeing like incredible representation yeah like consistently th- from one band to the next
1: yeah and i think that's cool hmm. I, I think it's that's my opinion on it. i think it's it's new and it's interesting and it's it's cool so uh
0: you know i i asked you more about you know just a uh, a uh, more traditional metal and rock that people that, that you're into that people might not have assumed uh, that you were, that maybe you didn't mention or overtly like reference in a video. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any sort of gent groups that, that you kind of see yourself consistently going back to their records again and again and again?
1: Uh, not really there. Honestly, recently there's not many records in general that I keep going back to over and over again. Other than honestly other than Kendrick's last album, hmm. like the music I've been really getting into recently doesn't have guitars in it at all, and I think I don't know I think that might just be because I spend so much time making guitar music hmm. that um yeah, I don't know I'm uh, at least currently in the last year, I'm always moving around to what I'm listening to, and there's not any particular um there's not any particular bands right now that I listen to a lot if if that makes sense.
0: No, I mean it it most certainly does and and you're talking about I mean you essentially play with your guitar all day. I imagine yeah. when you're kind of relaxing that you're not just wanting to hear other people kind of play their guitars. I imagine it kind of um, is is it hard for you sometimes to sit back and listen to guitar music and kind of turn off that critical ear that I'm sure that you have because of how of a precise of a musician that you are?
1: Uh no. I I think it's I I would say that I can't listen to it without thinking about the technique that went into playing sure. guitar. So I do think that has something to do with it. Um, like like when I first started listening to, say, Primus or Buckethead, for example, there was a big wow factor, you know? Like I would watch, when I went to that show for Buckethead, I would watch him play or I would watch Primus and it would be like, I have no idea how they're doing that. How How is this sound made? And there was a certain fascination... And wonder in it that now isn't there. And I you think, ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> not that I ruined it. It's just I I've experienced it so much that it that initial wow factor maybe isn't there. Sure, um, but I still do really really enjoy that music. It's just not so, you know some guitar players or especially even some metal fans. It's like all metal, all guitar, all the time, and that's not particularly my uh, listening habits it's for me it's all over the place all the time but what i create is all you, you know always guitar based
0: well i mean while i i love a lot of guitar music <laughs> i feel like simply listening to guitar music can kind of be a little limiting especially if you're an artist who who plays guitar uh because it kind of becomes like a bit of an echo chamber situation whereas yeah i mean you you know you've listened to stuff like that kendrick record and you've taken it upon yourself to recreate that music on your guitar where i don't think uh that that would sort of dawn on a lot of uh, guitarists sort of doing that sort of thing.
1: That was a really fun video, by the way. I, I really enjoyed um, trying to play genres on instruments that usually aren't made for that genre. That's always like an interesting thing to do for me. And that video in particular was a lot of fun because I am a big fan of Kendrick's work.
0: Uh, going into the future, and, and I've heard... Uh, People kind of predict this before, although I've never taken it very seriously because there continues to be uh, guitars very prominently on numerous recordings throughout the year, uh, obscure and mainstream. Uh, but, you know, where, where do you sort of see guitar music going in uh, in, in, in the future? Uh, you know, is, is there always going to be a place for it? I mean, while I think the mainstream is, is a lot less rock driven, than it used to be, Um, it it certainly seems like there's still uh, room for guitars, you know, just not necessarily in a rock context. It's the the guitar. I mean, people forget that the guitar predates rock music, you know, and it's it's a very versatile instrument. And that's all it really is. At the end of the day, it's an instrument. It's not a symbol of any one particular genre. Uh, And I think that if guitars are going to continue to have a seat at the table, musicians are going to need to remind themselves of the other things the guitar can do other than play rock and metal music.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see guitars going away in popular culture anytime soon. I guess if, if you look far enough into the future, you know, people aren't going to be around, so I'm sure at some point <laughs> they're going to forget about guitars. Sure. Um, but I don't see that happening anytime soon, and I, I see them to continue. As, as you said, they're so versatile, I just I see what people see as guitar music evolving rather than people finding a different instrument to play it on, or maybe the instruments change in a little way. I mean I don't know. I, I don't I I don't see it certainly going away anytime soon.
0: And and right now from your perspective, uh where do you kind of see that evolution going? You know, maybe you can't tell me uh where you know, if if you can't tell me where you think things are gonna be from five years from now, for example. Um, you know, is there anything going on right now in guitar music that you would have found to be completely surprising maybe several years ago?
1: Man, I don't know. I don't know. There's just so much going on. This is more on like music in general, just with the internet. There's so many different subgenres and so many different types of music that it's kind of hard to pinpoint like what guitars are doing right now, you know, like, um, I, I don't know that I, I don't know how to answer that question Well,
0: you're just gonna kind of focus on your own thing
1: yeah for me I'm just gonna continue doing what I find interesting and hopefully you know other people will continue to find it interesting too and um, maybe you know me and my other YouTube guitarists will have a big part in how guitars are seen later you know that would be that would be cool or maybe we'll just have a big part in getting more people to pick up a guitar that would be something I can be really proud of. Um, I mean, but, it seems like that's that's
0: definitely the case of that's definitely the case for you right now. I mean, with how some people receive your
1: videos and see. I, um, I would hope so because I, I think if, if what I'm working on is getting more people to play guitar or play any instrument really, hmm. and and I, I put out a lot of tabs for my songs and I really encourage people to to learn them in like post cover videos and stuff and. And if, if what I'm doing is getting more people to play music, then that's, that's something I can be really proud of. The, though I don't think at this point I've had a very significant, um, uh, I, I don't think I've been super significant in that. But if I do it at all, that's great.
0: Uh, one more question before you know, I just sort of um, uh, remind everybody of how great you are and what you do and, and where they can find you. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks. I think I've been doing pretty bad on this podcast. I feel like I don't know how to answer any of these questions. I, I think, I think
0: you've been doing good. You know, this podcast is more conversational than it is about, yeah. you know, like, oh, did you give the great answer? Yeah. You know? our... <laughs> it's, uh, but, but.
1: I do one... love, uh, I guess just on podcast real quick, I do really, I spend an enormous amount of time listening to podcasts. Like a huge part of my practice routine, if I do have a practice routine, mm-hmm. is just turning on a podcast of people talking and playing guitar for like two hours. That's a that's like a, if you took a pie chart of my life, mm-hmm. that's a gigantic slice of my life is I, uh, just playing and practicing while listening to podcasts.
0: I sometimes do that, too, and it's really weird, but I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, obviously, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's it obviously seems to not be a danger since, you know, you're you telling me that you're doing that and you're playing so well, but simultaneously <laughs> and, and maybe this isn't anything new. I'm sure there are people who back in the day probably practiced their guitar while I don't know. Yeah, listening to the radio or watching TV or maybe at a family gathering or something. But it seems like so uh, reflective of the times that we always need to have something going on in the background. Like as
1: multitasking, I can't just enjoy this one thing. I need to be listening to a podcast while (laughs) I don't know, getting (laughs) having a massage on my feet while doing this while playing a video game with my right hand. You know. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know. I, I guess. Years ago, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have, well, you know, come to think of it, way back, I would watch TV a lot while playing. Hmm. Back So, so, I don't know, I think maybe it's something that's always been around. I'm not sure, but it helps me a lot. Like, it helps me just um, not be distracted just enough to where I am just playing for fun. And I I find I stumble across things more often that then turn into songs. If sure. I'm also listening to podcasts at the same time and focusing on what people are talking about.
0: Well, you know, part of the creative process, I think, uh, uh, part of the key to the creative process is being able to kind of clear your mind and relax a little bit. Yeah, and, and
1: that's, that's when, something I find probably is the most challenging thing to do about it.
0: And And when you're kind of stressing yourself out over... The fact that you're not coming up with the amazing idea that you're <laughs> trying to come yeah. up with right then and there with the guitar, with whatever in your hand. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know that that inspiration strikes when you're able to clear your head or just have things uh, uh, a little calmer. And with that distraction in the background, yeah. sometimes
1: calmness is a little easier to uh, to attain. I could not have said it better. I completely agree. I and I have I struggle with that. Um, where And I always have to where I start playing and then I stumble upon something small. And if I'm so focused on it, I'm like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the song. Maybe this is the most popular song I'm ever going to have. I better mm-hmm. not mess this up. And, <laughs> and then I mess it up. You know, there's these – I, I find with, with being a full-time creative person, there's two modes you need to be able to switch in and out of. One's the creative mode where you need to not be worried about business or or success or making things at all. Sure and you need to just be doing it for fun to write things that you're going to like. And on the other side of it, you also need to have the business side and being in one mindset and doing the other never works. It's Mm -hmm. you, you need to be one or the other, um, and know when, when those are going on. Um, if that makes sense, I find it's really, really easy to, when I get into creative mode to snap into business mode and then creative mode's gone and I can't write songs anymore. And, uh, it's really, really hard if I'm in a business mode, like I get on the computer, I'm replying to emails or I'm editing or something, To go w- once I'm in that mode, I can't create anything for the rest of the day, at least anything that I'm going to like. I can phone it in, but to really write a song that I'm going to enjoy a lot, I, I need to not be worrying about writing songs, which is a weird dynamic. <laughs> mm. <laughs> to try to be productive while simultaneously to be productive, you need to not worry about being productive
0: as as far as um you know original work goes uh and 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 I know that you know obviously this is still a focus for you and this is a really important thing to you obviously um you know given with how easy it is to sort of put this unwanted pressure onto yourself to be like oh i got to i got to write this really amazing thing or this this is the one uh do, you know is is it ever in the back of your head even though you know in a way you're kind of rejecting the idea of this traditional music industry thing because you know It can be harmful and you know that it's 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 not necessarily going to work in your favor or kind of be conducive to All the things that you would like to be doing these comedy videos these original songs and and whatever else you've got to kind of You know have in the fire right now uh, but is it ever in the back of your head to kind of uh, uh, like man I really want to have like that that classic album everyone remembers <laughs> or everybody refers back to you know Is that something and that's that's tempting to you or is is the cake like a lie?
1: <laughs> I think in most cases I think uh, the cake is is. I mean maybe I'm being pessimistic but I think that traditional success in the music industry the cake is kind of a lie um, for most people or mm-hmm. for well overwhelmingly musicians it doesn't work out that way but I yeah I, I don't I, I don't look for traditional music success at all if, if it happens to you know there's some ways where I have kind of stumbled on it. Like, I've, like I've had songs in commercials for things like that, and that's really cool when it happens. Um, and, you know, I've been able to tour, thankfully, with my friends, and those have been, you know, way more than I could ever ask for in a tour and a ton of fun. So when I, when I stumble upon it, I'm, I'm happy when it does, but I'm not seeking any type of traditional music success because I find it just... It, it It's just a waste of effort into something that isn't going to give you any returns. I, I I'm way more interested in doing things on the internet because it's,
0: it seems like, and this is just my perspective as a music fan, yeah. um, you know, and, and now kind of stumbling into the music industry just off of kind of just, just by virtue of doing what I do, not because anybody was like, Hey, come on in. <laughs> uh, but You know kind of growing up and and listening to music very seriously and taking music very seriously even as I was listening to artists you know who who had a strong comedic point to their music Mm -hmm. Uh, and and now and now that I'm kind of here the more that I'm able to kind of you know learn and and see how things really work those really classic albums that I thought were so great and they are definitely great I mean I don't think there's any reason that you shouldn't pick up a copy of what pet sounds and realize how great and catchy and fun and enjoyable of a record that is Mm -hmm. uh but i think now that i'm here you just kind of slowly realize just how manufactured it all is like even the really great parts and and how much uh and 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 sort of how little of a role great music ends up playing in in a classic (laughs) record like the great music is obviously there but Mm -hmm. a big chunk of it was also like the marketing end of things yeah and 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 the thing is like uh if if you go onto to a website like rate your music for example where just like all the reviews all the opinions are completely user generated like if you look at albums from just the 50s or the 60s or the 70s on that website uh pretty much every album on that site that they say is great like is is just like in lockstep with pretty much everything that rolling stone said was great back yeah. in the day you know but once you start but once you start to like uh, you know move forward a little bit and and now that we're in the internet age often you'll find that what the public says you know in this democratized kind of way this is amazing will will vary pretty strongly from what the critics say sometimes
1: yeah people have a stronger say now <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, and and I think, um, I mean, I I think uh, in in this age, I mean, do, do you think there's even such a thing as a classic record? Can we have a classic record? Is is, is anybody going to remember any of this shit fifteen <laughs> years from now? You know, and and not to say that there isn't good music coming out right now, I think there is, but there's just it all, it. there's just so much of it, and it all just seems so fractured to the point where, uh, like, is anybody going to remember anything? You know, because it just seems like we're so. On to the next thing all the time, yeah. I mean, there are only a few records over the past five years that I can recall as being something where i I actually feel like the greater world of music actually like paused for a second <laughs> <laughs> to be like, Wow, wow, you know, and then was on to the next thing, but at least there was that you know initial pause for a little bit mm-hmm. um, you know we're not getting these really lengthy successful promotional campaigns after the release of a record uh more often than not as soon as an album is released that's like its lowest relevance point like uh they kind of just uh build up the hype for months and months and months and months and months up to the point of the release of the album and then once the album is out like all discussion just goes away like some reviews pop out but then we're talking about whatever album is being hyped the next week, which is something that more artists today are kind of opting out of by just releasing albums out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. but um, I, I think there
1: will be classic albums. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to look back, and there's going to be a handful of them that really um, represent. I don't know, 2015. Um, but it, it's just hard to say now. <laughs> you think you think you
0: think in the 2020s we're going to look back at this Kendrick
1: record? I think so. Yeah, I do. I I think so as well.
0: But it'll be interesting to sort of see how the 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 generation that hardly focused on anything for more than a few minutes will remember its own history, you know? <laughs> um will they remember it yeah with with the same kind of accuracy or sometimes inaccuracy as the people who lived through it? I mean, because certainly, you know, there's <sighs> I I haven't seen as many people kind of calling foul on uh, the whole NWA movie that just dropped, which you know glossed over a ton of NWA history.
1: Yeah, Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that some of it is pretty dishonest. To where it's like that them being misogynistic is completely taken out of the movie. Apparently, like that's it's, it's
0: pretty much taken out of the movie, and and the very. A uh, uh, loud and obvious beef that was going on between Dr. Dre and eazy E is like completely erased out of the movie. That's uh, weird because it's not like
1: people don't know about that.
0: Yeah, like, like the, song, the songs rings- are, are yeah. all over the Chronic. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> actually even a part in the movie where Easy E is like driving and he sees a billboard for the Chronic and he like smiles at it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my man Dre right there. <laughs> really. Yeah, and and meanwhile, there's songs on that record that blatantly make fun of him.
1: Yeah, like the the first the first song is just all about it's it's just all criticizing Easy E. It's it's <laughs> it's, an, it's entirely just talking about how much he sucks and how much of an <laughs> <is>. So, <laughs> like, so and yeah, you know yeah, that's so, my friend.
0: So stuff like that is completely you know like glossed over, and it's something that you know when I was listening to Dr. Dre's new record, I kind of. I gave him the benefit of the doubt because there were so many tracks on there. Where he's like, "Yo, my dude, Easy's looking at me from from beyond the grave. He thinks I'm yeah, doing man. good, you know." And 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 maybe after all those years, you know, nobody nobody could stay mad for that long, especially at somebody yeah. who you know was so key to your success and and also like so uh, uh, also uh, uh, I, I want to say key to your success and also died so abruptly, you know, and so sure. unnecessarily. Uh but then you it, would, know, be, it of, would be
1: a bit strange if he continued the beef going after his untimely passing. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that, that
1: would be a bit uh distasteful. But but then
0: simultaneously to like, you know, just blatantly omit that whole thing from the movie that you were directly involved in. Yeah. And instead play it like things are all hunky dory. Not only that, <laughs> but you know, Dr. Dre's character in that movie, super nice guy, wouldn't yeah. wouldn't hurt a fly totally Man. nice dude who was just surrounded by all these bad behaving people yeah
1: like like come on like you can still be you can still be a legend but it's it's you can be honest like i don't i don't know he's well, no, a legend that's, for that's, that's another that kind of in his, his business he's it's i i don't know
0: that's another kind of instance of you know like uh uh revisionist history the, maybe not, not just revisionist history but the cake being a lie you know but like <laughs> like we were talking about earlier because uh uh, you know, th- there's so much image building in the music industry that goes along with not only the marketing of your record and your music. Um, you know, uh, I, I caught a, a talk not too long ago about, uh, uh, it was it was at a music festival uh, primavera sound recently where i was literally watching a panel of all these music writers talk about why they write about bands or why they write about certain bands or how bands break into the music industry Uh and it all starts with like you know uh one of the dudes and we were talking about people from pitchfork la times uh you know freelancers for a lot of different venues you know these people are in the industry they write Music. They, they write about music professionally, or they're writing professionally, and they're talking about. Well, the first thing that comes into my head is what, what is the narrative of this band, mm-hmm. you know? And that's like the last thing on my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, you know, honestly, like I don't, I don't care if you're and 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 I feel for people who who are in the situation but like it's it's not relevant to me that your mom and your dad came from like a war torn country or mm-hmm. that like you know you have you're of a sp- certain spiritual denomination or that I don't know you wear clothes a certain way or that I don't know you just like had a really hard come up or something or a really easy one I don't really care you know I just want to know if I enjoy your music ultimately
1: though yeah. so that's I, I think it's harder to write about just the type of music that they're making rather than it's, it's an, it's an easier, uh, um, it's, it's a quicker grab of attention to say, I don't know, this person came from this background and here are the songs rather than here are the songs. Yeah, no,
0: it's, it's, it's true. This guy came from a cult. Yeah. guy was in a cult and then he broke out of the cult and then he came out with an amazing album. You know, it's that, that stuff can be, uh, you know a, a little crazy and and the fact that you know people uh gravitate toward that stuff it's not just the marketing but also the music fans you know yeah. who, who gravitate yeah toward it's, that it's stuff.
1: not it's not like the the industry is creating this system it's they're playing into whatever is going to get in in this place nowadays the clicks absolutely it's what going that's what's going to get the clicks
0: which leads to you know a lot of fabrication uh you know, not just by, and, and not just by the industry people too, but by the musicians themselves, because they're actively realizing this and they're manipulating this as well. I mean, we were already on the that's topic what's going on in the straight out of Compton movie. Yeah. That's what's going on in the straight out of Compton movie. And that's what you could, you know, uh, uh, maybe, maybe he wouldn't be
1: quite as popular and as in demand if the D Barnes part of that story was in it, you know?
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, also if the fact that, you know, uh, and, and not even just in the movie, but like if, if, um, you know, everybody in, in like if they had if they had told if they were telling the truth on that album right from the start, the the title of the album would be straight out of Compton, except for Ice Cube, because Ice Cube wasn't straight out of Compton at the time. He actually went to, you know, a much nicer school than the other dudes in in the group. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Which they actually reference in the movie for a split second, but they don't actually tell you, you know, he's he's sort of at you know his more affluent high school uh, at the very start of the film but then he takes the bus you know to where he lives uh after school and um you know ice cube is actually very very well educated um uh in comparison with everybody else uh, in the group but the thing is that's not something that they really talk about that that well in nwa and not that i think that that's uh, a mark against him or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I would I think, say it's
1: a mark against him at all.
0: No, but the thing is like, you know, but for people who are like sort of hardcore into the idea of hip hop authenticity, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, to some of these like purists, like it could definitely be, um, you know, especially since like, you know, ice cube wasn't necessarily, uh, uh, leading the kind of lifestyle that that he was rapping about all the time mm-hmm. um you know uh, there, there's a part in the film where he actually says you know uh, uh, one of the first singles or first tracks that uh, that ended up on nwa's debut record that easy e recorded you know he's like i wrote this song about you dude uh you know he uh, uh because he was you know sort of telling a story from the perspective of easy e and not that they weren't saying real things in their music but mm-hmm. uh but still you know the idea of You know, a group of people coming together in this one place that nobody knows about and all experiencing these same things. That's way more marketable than like, you know, oh, this dude was actually from this other town or, you know, these guys all didn't have the same kind of uh, life experience or whatever. Yeah, Um, The idea of like one group coming together and like forming like the fucking Power Rangers... And and, the and then coming and then coming out with this amazing album is is just I like, just like so much of
1: all having like all forming into like Megatron or what what is the Power Rangers version of that
0: I guess you know Voltron or whatever just yeah. like the Zords the Power Rangers they had Zords
1: <laughs> yeah yeah they all get in there like cars that move together and then they have this big NWA
0: absolutely and the and the idea of doing that <laughs> the idea of uh, of that is just so much more sellable yeah. Uh, I, I
1: still want to see the movie, but did you like yeah. it even if it is like even if there are some parts that are like glaringly dishonest like it still seems like a like it would be a really interesting watch
0: as a film, I thought the first half was like really well put together um in the second half I think uh the dialogue and 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 the characters aren't quite as strong as they were in the first half like uh I actually wish um they, they stuck around sort of in that time period of the first half a little bit where, you know, NWA was, uh, uh, you know, in, in the late 80s and kind of creating their music and living these certain experiences. And, mm-hmm. and I wish they sort of delved into their personal lives during that point uh, and, sort of, and sort of did a better job of kind of showing their camaraderie uh, a little mm-hmm. bit more during that era of their career. But it kind of seems like they rushed through all of that a little bit so that they could get to their eventual breakup. Yeah, so there could be like a bit of a climax and some drama to the film, you know, and it, it's a little disappointing because uh, uh, I guess uh, uh, I wouldn't say even though some things were left out that they were, you know, really trying to tell a big fat lie, uh, but it was more like they were trying to. Rush through everything, and they had no choice but to leave all of this stuff. Yeah, on, and a lot of stuff. The cutting room floor. Like, if you're going to tell the story from N.W.A.'s inception to the point where Dr. Dre is going solo, that's a lot to pack in. Yeah, and you're not going to tell it all with any sort of detail in 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all of a sudden we're skipping from one event to another, all of which happened and are portrayed in a relatively accurate degree on the screen, but there's so much more context that was just kind of left out. So I yeah. don't know. Just what do to make sure that it's
1: a successful movie. Right yeah. There. Yeah. So, I
0: mean, I kind of get the limitations, but I thought it would have been fantastic and also interesting if... You know, it had been told to the point where maybe Ice Cube broke off from the group, and then we kind of got that as one movie, and then they did a sequel because the movie, even so far, has been incredibly successful.
1: Yeah, and, and they they had that um, fantastic marketing campaign. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah, where you could do straight out of whatever, and then a lot of people were making jokes out of it, and then those would you know go semi-viral and the memes, man.
0: Let yeah, people make making, some memes. Some memes. <laughs> people make some memes. Make some memes. Meme, the good, good meme marketing, man.
1: Yeah, that was good meme marketing. <laughs> that was very good meme marketing <laughs> on their point. And did you hear that they're, they're making a sequel, or is that just some stuff I saw on Facebook?
0: I heard they were making a sequel, but the thing is, uh, and and uh, and I heard them talking about that sort of like you know on a panel. But <laughs> the thing is, uh, how could- it, just, it just doesn't seem like they they told. I guess oh, the whole the story. story, you know, like I, I mean, I could see a sequel if they stopped off when Ice Cube left the group because he realized that he was getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, you know.
1: Well, maybe, I, maybe they'll just continue to make sequels until the movie is about them making the first movie. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like they get to sequel four, and now it's all about casting for the first movie.
0: Maybe, and maybe then it is. casting
1: them to for them to be casting. I don't know. That'd be kind of kind of funny and still that. It, was,
0: it was a pretty cool film and sort of seeing ice cube son play ice cube was kind of a head trip
1: yeah and and just that the story is being told at this level yeah all. and knowing when i mean when this was made i think straight out of compton was made in what six weeks mm. and i mean no one could have forced foreseen 25 years later that it's going to be an entire movie i mean that's there's something really cool in that
0: oh yeah absolutely like
1: rags to riches story you would say mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah I, I want to see it I'm I, I, I'm surprised I haven't seen it yet but uh, it seems like a really interesting movie
0: alright well I think we're just going to leave it off here since we're just yeah. shooting the shit over movies at this point <laughs> not even talking about you anymore
1: <laughs> we're talking about yeah we talked a lot about easy E. you're
0: you're you're just an hour worth of material and then we just branched <laughs> off into NWA
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's where all the conversations lead with me. It's just an hour into it, we just start talking about NWA. That's not true. That, but that would be a funny scenario if that was the case.
0: All right. I want to thank Rob Scallon for coming onto my uh, podcast and talking about his YouTube channel, being a musician in the modern age, and uh, just doing all the fantastic stuff that he does on a regular basis.
1: Right back at you, Anthony. Best and- teeth in the game
0: best fucking teeth in the game
1: thank you <laughs>
0: finally some recognition um, I'm going to uh, link to Rob's YouTube channel his Twitter also his patreon where you can do what he uh, do what he calls a super subscribe
1: yeah the pa- patreon I guess back on that being a musician in the modern age patreon is a huge game changer I've actually been um, to the viewers I've been kind of hounding Anthony to get on patreon. And keep recommending it to him.
0: Ugh, I'm I'm so bad so, at it, though. You know,
1: I'm I'm, I, I'm I thinking really, about it. I really think you should. Like for me, it's 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 just such a uh, it's just such a huge game changer, and it it it's so fantastic to have that steady Patreon funding from from support directly from the people that are actually watching you, rather than having to do sponsors or do viral videos all the time. It's it's just. I can't, I can't say enough good things about Patreon. A huge reason why I was able to go full-time was that I went full-time at the same time Patreon started, so mm-hmm. I had that extra support, and uh, it, yeah, it's fantastic. I think you should get on it, and you should not worry about the people that are going to oh, you're still out, you're making money doing things. Okay,
0: if you, if you guys see me jumping back onto Patreon or jumping onto Patreon <laughs> and going full force on it, it's Rob's fault. So Yeah. you, you know, can t- 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 for, Take it up with Rob.
1: Yeah, you can go ahead and tweet at me that I'm making Anthony a sellout or something.
0: All right, dude. Thanks for uh, yeah. coming on again. And I'm, I'm looking forward to all the new videos.
1: Thanks so much, dude. Thanks. All right. Awesome. Bye. See ya.